We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers, for continually remembering before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of the severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Let's bow together in prayer. You know, we're very thrilled that you're here with us this morning. It's our time to go to God's Word and allow it to speak to us. And as we do, I want to remind you that at the end of all of our services, we have an invitation. So as we... uh, learn this morning from God's Word, I hope that you'll consider what God might be saying to you this day. Perhaps this is the day that you need to give your life to Christ in baptism. Submit yourself to Him and have your sins washed away and the old man buried and the new person to come and, and walk that Christian life. Maybe this is your time of coming back home to God. Perhaps there's a spiritual struggle in your life. And maybe you're looking for a church home. And we'd love to be your church family. We'd love to have you identify with us and work alongside of us as we follow God's path. You can let us know at the end of our services, or if you'd like to identify with us, just write it on a card and give it to us later, or just come down front. We're in a two-lesson series on answering God's call, because God has called you, and He's called me. He's called each one of us. He has a plan for our lives. Last week, we talked about the making of a servant. Looked especially at Moses' life. How Moses resisted doing and being what God would have him to do and to be. And he looked at himself and he says, but but God, I'm, I'm not worthy. Perhaps you've looked in the mirror recently too and had a similar thought. And quite frankly, I looked in the mirror and I saw about what you saw. And on my own, I'm not worthy. But God made us worthy. He called you. I hope you decided to be his servant. But along that pathway, sometimes we struggle and... We need to be reminded about why we're here and what we're about. So this morning we're going to talk about motivations of a servant. What keeps us going? What motivates us to action and helps us do and be all that God would have us to do and to be? Are there any great motivators in your life? In fact, there's all different kinds of motivation. What works best with you? Paul's writing to a young church in Thessalonica. And he's trying to help these brothers and sisters stay on target. In fact, if you just want to sum up First Thessalonians, he's trying to say, you need to stay with what you've begun. Stay on target. And to help them along that journey, he's going to pay them compliments. That's one of the greatest motivators in my life. Pay me a compliment. That gets me going. In Second Thessalonians, he's going to change gears a little bit because it didn't work as well as it should have. And he's going to use his apostolic authority to help motivate them to do what they ought to be doing. But compliments work well with me. But different things motivate different people. It's kind of rodeo season. How many of y'all ever been to a rodeo? Several of us? Yeah, we're in 
We're in Oklahoma. I grew up loving rodeos. I remember taking my children when they were young to Paul's Valley Rodeo. You know, one of those where they bush hog the place right before you get there and the rest of the year it's just grown up in weeds. And as they began, and I, my, Caleb was pretty young at the time, they invited all 12-year-olds and unders to come down into the rodeo arena. Some of y'all been to rodeos know about what's happening now. They have a calf out there with a red string tied on its tail. And if you could get the string off the tail, you get, I don't know what it was, 50 cents, I don't know, $10. It was not worth it, whatever it was. And parents sent their kids into the ring to try. I'm saying, buddy, you ain't going anywhere, Caleb. You stay right there beside me. And these kids got out there. And if you've seen it happen, they get run over. They get knocked down. That's just by each other, not even the calf. The calf is scared to death, and sure enough, finally, one of those kids reaches up there, grabs the string and the ribbon, and, uh, and gets the, the prize money. Now, that's motivation. That's, that's highly motivated to get something. What mo- motivates you? Do you understand that we're on a journey, a pathway of life that is so valuable to us? And it's not just to get run over, but there is a prize that's worthwhile waiting for us. Not long ago, I was driving down 9th Street. And uh, if you, oh, down there on the right, you know, there's this house that's got several dogs and a chain-link fence on the back. And as I was driving by, I saw a cat walking along the top of the chain-link fence, and the dogs were just going crazy trying to get that cat. And I could almost imagine the cat conversation that happened just beforehand. Two or three of the cats were on the other side of the yard and said, You know what? We'd like to get on the other side, and I think we can make it. But, boy, is it going to be a chase. You think you can do it? And these two cats, yeah, I think I can dodge them. They can't ever catch me and all that kind of stuff. And one cat said, do you want to see how it's done? Climbs up on the top of the chain link fence and without a care in the world like cats can do, right? Just drive you crazy. Walks right down that fence and those dogs are going nuts. Listen, you have a life to live in front of you. There's a good chance you can make it to the other side. I mean, if you run real hard, you dodge, if you stay on your toes, don't let down for a moment, you might be able to make it to the other side. Or you can decide to put on Christ and allow him to lift you up. And I'm not saying that the dogs aren't going to bark at you. I'm not saying you'll never get sick or nothing bad's ever going to happen to you. But I'm saying you can walk through life like that attitude of the cat. You can bark all you want to. But I'm walking the pathway of Christ. And you can't touch me. I mean, I know where I'm going. And all your distractions are not going to stop me. Wouldn't you like to live that way? Wouldn't you like to have that kind of a journey? You can. But you have to learn to walk it like God wants you to walk it. And follow the path that He'd want us to follow. In 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 1, verse 3, Paul gives that compliment that I mentioned earlier. And it's a compliment that I wish each one of us could have said of us. And maybe even our church family could have it said of us. It goes like this. We continually remember before our God and our Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. They knew how to live their life. And they lived it in such a way as it made a huge difference. What motivates you in life? There's a lot of things we do because we have to, but there's other things we do because we want to. Remember one of the greatest punishments when you were in grade school probably was cleaning the chalkboard or maybe having to clean the the dust off the, the, the eraser. You remember those days? Fourth grade, I spent a lot of time 
cleaning the chalkboard and dusting out the eraser. Except I did it voluntarily for Miss Norris after school because she'd give me a ride home and Miss Norris was beautiful. Woo! Boy, I cleaned a lot of chalkboards. You know, there's different things that motivate us and get us going in life. And we need to make sure we have our right purpose and headed the right direction. Because if you learn to do things the wrong way, have you noticed it's hard to unlearn them? I became very early, good, very early in school at, at passing a class. I learned how to study to pass a class, pass a test. You know what I'm talking about? It's where you get the information inside of your head in such a way as you can make it through that test, and then who cares after that? After all, who's going to need math later on in life? I became so adept at it that it was about my sophomore or junior year in college when I realized I I didn't know how to learn. And, And maybe some of the things I was studying I might need later on in life. For many of us, we learn to go to church, to come to the assembly of God's believers for different reasons. For some of us who grew up with parents who were believers, it was just simply if we wanted to live in the house, we came to church. It had a lot to do with having lunch on Sunday, or if we wanted to eat, we could come. Some of us, it was seeing our friends. Others, it was just because we were forced to. But I'm here to tell you there's a better way. There's a way to walk through life, to stay on target. And let me share with you these three motivational issues. The first is work produced by faith. That word work literally means work or deeds or business. It's the things that you do. It's what you're all about. Remember when you were young and maybe you reached up to touch a stovetop and all out of nowhere a hand came flying and slapped your hand? (laughs) Where'd that come from? And you reached again and the hand reappeared and and you learn pretty quickly if if you reach for a stovetop, your hand's going to get slapped. So you better not reach for a stovetop. Until that day where you reached for it and the hand wasn't there to slap you and you got burned. And all of a sudden you learn that the things that you do are for a different reason. What produces your deeds? Your parents, probably like my mother, used to tell you don't play in the street. When I was in kindergarten and first grade, we lived in Norman, Oklahoma. And that was one of the rules. In fact, if mom caught you playing in the streets, two things, street, two things happened. First of all, you got spanked, and second, you had to go to the backyard and play in the backyard. I remember one day playing in the front yard, in the yard, and our dog Cricket was out front, and he was playing in the street with a motorcycle. And I thought, Cricket, same rule for boys as for dogs. Mama catches you, you're going to get spanked and put in the backyard. And as he was playing with that motorcycle, it swerved and hit him. And for the first time, it kind of occurred to me, maybe mom didn't want me playing in the street for a different reason than I thought. Maybe I shouldn't play in the street for more reason than just because I'll get spanked and be put in the backyard. Of course, I got confused later that week when mom told me to go play in the street. I'm just kidding. (laughs) She did not say that. So the things that you do, what causes you to do those things? What motivates you? You know, all those things that you didn't understand then, but now you have a different perspective on. Like, my dad, I wish my dad had had piano lessons when he was a kid, so I wouldn't have had to have them, you know? And I just couldn't grasp it until finally, after five years, they let me quit. 
and I can only play one song, Born Free. And that's what I wanted all through those lessons. Please, give me free of these lessons. I didn't understand that later on in life, that once you turn 40 or 50 years old, you're not going to be on a skateboard anymore, likely. But you still can produce music. And, and there's a release that comes from you if you can play the piano or, or, or play an instrument. There's just some way of expressing your emotions. My dad tried to explain that to me, but I just didn't get it. I didn't understand eating ve- vegetables. I didn't understand going to the dentist. I didn't understand why when you got a splinter in your finger, you had to take it out. Because that wor- hurt worse than having a splinter in your finger. Until I left one in and didn't tell my mom about it once, and I found out. You understand what I'm saying? All these things that your parents taught you, you didn't understand at the time. But things change, don't they? So why you do the things that you do? What's producing them? What causes them to happen? I hope that it comes to a point where it's faith. You know, my parents were right so many times on little things. It came to be where I could trust them with the big things. Do you realize your Father in Heaven's been right on more small things than you ever understood? Can't you learn to trust Him with the big things? Your work produced by faith. It's believing in God even when you don't understand why. So the question is, what does God ask you to do that you don't understand? What's He calling you to this morning that you just don't get? The second compliment passed on to the Thessalonian Christians that I wish could be said of me is they remembered your, I re, we remember your labor prompted by love. Labor literally means a, a wearing out work, something that's very difficult. You remember some wearing out work that you've done, a 40-page paper that I had to write for Dr. Jones, carrying 4 by 16 sheets of plywood when I was in college, uh, during the summer of my college sophomore year? What wearing out work did you do? Being a counselor at Camp Impact last week? You know, what did you do that just totally wore you out? Ladies, when you hear the word labor, what do you think of? What's amazing to me is after a woman has gone through labor and given birth to one child, is that she ever does it again. I, mean, I, gave, I watched my wife give birth to three children. It was amazing. What causes you to go through that another time? There's a lot of things in life that we have to do. What causes them to act? And there's a lot of wearing out work that, got, that this world throws at us. What causes us to make it through? What prompts us? Your labor prompted. That word prompt is just to incite. You know what a prompter is. If you're in a a play and you you lose your place, they're going to give you the next word, right? They're going to prompt you on so that you can go on with the line that you're supposed to be saying. I I have a mother that is a prompter. My dad just did the communion service. I don't know if you know my father. He was a preacher for many, many years. And, And I know wives always love to compliment their husband's sermons. When they get home, I can't wait to receive the many compliments from my beautiful wife at the end of this sermon. We used to tease my dad, though, that before mom would compliment him, she would correct him. My mom's a school teacher. And so we used to tease that she would correct any English grammar errors that he made. When he was doing his talk, you didn't catch this, but I was listening. He said a word and then corrected it. He said thank, and then he changed it to think. Yeah, you don't have to tell him, Mom. He got it already. When I was growing up, you used the wrong verb tense or anything. Mom corrected you. I never learned English 
But I could sit in there and I could say it, and if I didn't feel like my hand was going to be slapped, if I said it that way, I knew it was right, you know? I learned it because she corrected it. When, I, when you said it wrong at the house, she changed it and you had to say it correctly. That's what we're talking about. When you're in the middle of this hard, wearing out work, what prompts you, what reminds you of the way that you're supposed to act? From seventh grade on, I got to grow up in southeastern Oklahoma. We had uh, 300 acres. So I got to help work cattle. My favorite part as a, as a young child was to be at the, outside the chute when they were running the calves through with the cattle prod. Battery-operated cattle prod. You know, you just zap them, and they go the place they're supposed to go. They don't want to go down to that chute, but once I get through prodding them, that's where they want to go. I'm the prompter that gets them where they, they ought to be. Do you have something that prompts you? When you see something ahead of you, and you know, I don't want to go there, what reminds you to go? And it's not a battery-operated cattle prod. What prompted these believers in the struggles that they were going to have, and oh, they had struggles unlike even those that we face, what prompted them was what? Love. Prompted by love. See, there's a lot of things that, that make us do what's right. When God was talking to Moses about taking the children of Israel out of Egypt, he said in in a... Exodus 3.19. But I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. Unless he's prompted. But he doesn't want us to stay that way. If that's what it takes, that's fine. But to the children of Israel, his children, when he had set up the tabernacle and he was giving instructions to Moses about the tabernacle, listen to what he said about how he wanted his children to respond. Exodus 25 verse 2. Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You're to receive the offering for me from each man whose heart prompts him to give. See, he wants it to come from a different source. Paul put it this way. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For Christ's love compels us. Are you prompted by love? For those of you who had good parents, do you remember the time in your life when you stopped obeying your parents because of what they would do to you and started obeying your parents because of what they meant to you. I don't just do what's right because I'm afraid I'll get in trouble if I do what's wrong. I do what's right because I want to please my parents. Do you remember the moment that that happened in your life? Right after I moved to the Edmund Church of Christ uh, almost 20 years ago, Richard Jones took me to visit Ivy Ashby in the hospital. He was very, very ill and had been for quite some time. He'd been married, as I remember it, two years to Ina Weiss. And I remembered him and others talking about the wonderful care she gave Ivy Ashby, her husband, for only a couple of years. Every time we went to visit, she was there. Other people complimented and, and spoke about the great care. And for those of you who are around then, you could probably even speak more to that. But she said, she was quoted as saying something at the funeral service that really touched me. You know, what causes a person to give that kind of care to a husband of only a couple of years? What causes a person to have that kind of love and patience and endurance? And her, she was quoted at the funeral as saying, He always said, a man should hold his wife in reverence above all else. That's love. And attitudes like that's what prompts people to do what they should do. Not just because they'll get in trouble. We live in the great state of Oklahoma. 
And in this state, parents are required to care for their children. They are to nurture them, to feed them, to give them clothing, make sure they have a proper education. If you don't do that, then uh, the government will come and take your children away and very likely put you in prison. So I make sure my kids are fed and clothed and have a school to go to because I don't want to go to jail. No. So what prompts you? Why are you here this morning? Because you're afraid of hell? Well, it's real, and it's something to be feared. Because you're afraid your family won't approve? The peer pressure around you? That if I don't keep all the laws, something bad's going to happen to me? Listen, there's a better way. Prompted by love, we find ourselves wanting to read God's Word. Prompted by love, we find ourselves wanting to sing songs of praise. Prompted by love, we find ourselves loving to talk to God. Your labor prompted by love. And the final compliment is that of endurance inspired by hope. Endurance inspired by hope. That Greek word for endurance is hupomene, which means a whole lot more than just uh, taking whatever is thrown at you, like a turtle in a shell. It means to, to act upon it. This concept is described vividly in the child's poem by T.C. Hamlet called Two Frogs. Two frogs fell into a can of milk, or so I've heard it told. The sides of the can were shiny and steep. The milk was deep and cold. Oh, what's the use, croak number one? Tis fate, no helps around. Goodbye, my friend, goodbye, sad world, and weeping still he drowned. But number two of Sterner's stuff, dog paddled in surprise. Then while he wiped his milky face and dried his milky eyes, I'll swim a while, at least, he said, or so I've heard he said. It really wouldn't help the world if one more frog were dead. An hour or two he kicked and swam, not once he stopped to mutter, but kicked and kicked and swam and kicked, then hopped out, via butter you know you're not just dumped in this world without a purpose we're here for a reason and I know it's not easy and we don't soar through life without any pains or or hurts I, I, I mean just look at the person next to you you might not know the pain that they have but it, it's one that you'd wonder how a person could get through likely And if you're not really struggling right now, just wait for tomorrow because one's likely to come. But there is a way to walk through those struggles, to endure, to keep going. And what keeps you going, what inspires you? You know, to inspire someone is to spur them on. So what is it that inspires you? Just to hear that somebody else has it worse than you have it? What inspires you? I think it's more than that. You know, when I think of the difficult times that I have to face in my life, the things that have inspired me most is not being told that everything will be okay. But there are several passages that are very, very dear to me. Right when tragedy strikes, the the passage that has helped me more than anything else is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Would you mind reading it out loud with me? No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. You see, when tragedy strikes, I consider it Satan. When evil happens in this world, it's not from God. It's from Satan. 
And he's trying to get you down. And I remember this, this promise. And it inspires me to endure. Then I love Romans eight twenty eight. don't you? Let's read it out loud. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. See, God has a plan for you. And he does not make a bad thing good. Bad things are bad things, but he does cause good to come from them. And just see what he can do in our lives. One more verse, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Let's read it together as well. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Work produced by faith. Labor prompted by love. Endurance inspired by hope. Now that's the kind of life you can live. And if we as a church could grasp that and live it as a body of believers, do you understand the impact it would make on this world? It made an impact in the world of those Thessalonican Christians. In fact, a little bit later on in verse 8, he will say, Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. Now, that's the kind of people we can be. Is that the kind of person you want to be? It's a journey, but it's a journey worth going. I hope you've been inspired and prompted that you'll want to have this faith, hope, and love in your life. If we can help you on your spiritual journey, we invite you to come as together we stand and sing.